1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am joined by UFC correspondent and sideline reporter for the NFL on Fox, Megan O'Levy. Megan talks to me about what it was about the UFC that she found so appealing. She takes me through a day in the life of covering the UFC, and let me tell you, it's intense. She also discusses why it's important to give yourself room to make mistakes, and we have a mutual mentor, which was a pretty fun surprise to find out. This is a super fun and super inspiring episode. If you like what you hear, and I think you will, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirls Sports Network. This episode is brought to you by Untuck It. And with that, Fangirls, let's get to it. Megan, thank you so much for joining me for today's Get My Job podcast.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
1: Oh, well, we are very excited to have you on today. Um, Obviously, we know you are a UFC correspondent and you are a sideline reporter for the NFL on Fox, but... I want to start, just dive right into talking about UFC, because on this podcast, we haven't really had anyone else who's involved with UFC or covers the UFC, so I think this is going to be super interesting for our listeners. So I want to start by asking you, what is it about the UFC that appealed to you?
0: You know, I I think there's so much um, that there is to really love about the sport of mixed martial arts, but the UFC is really... um, it's what people know when it comes down to it. When there is a fight on a football field or on um, the ice in a hockey venue or on a basketball court, people understand what's happening. They know who's winning and who's losing. They completely understand fighting. It's something that you are just inherently born understanding. And for the UFC, I think that's really the appeal is that you? you it's really the purest form of competition, and it's something that you can bring, which we do bring, all around the world to all these different cultures and we might not speak the same language we might not even have the same type of alphabet or writing but we all understand what's happening in front of us and it's a really natural thing and it's a really pure thing and i think that's really what's so appealing on my end is just it's just such a pure form of competition athletically there's such a respect before and after between our athletes but we can go all over the world and you don't have to explain the rules Everyone gets it.
1: That's a really interesting point that I definitely didn't think about. But you don't have to explain <laughs> the rules. But that, but it's so true because you know, with football, which is so much fun to watch, there's a lot of rules. With baseball, yes. there's like rules and strategy. And why is he making all those weird hand motions? And what does that mean? And you know, with <laughs> basketball, I, all of that. Like, wait, what do you mean he stepped on the line? So he's in front of the line. It's not a three. He's right behind it. It's, you know, there's so many things. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. It's almost like the great equalizer for the sports fan.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and you know, that's that's what's
0: so appealing. We actually, just recently, we had a fight in Vancouver. And, actually, some of the stars of the TV show Riverdale were, were there. And I was sitting by them. We, we happened to know some of the guys. And out came these two fighters who looked very different physically. Um, they had very different demeanors. And they kind of thought it was going to be this one-sided, just – brutal, um, exhibition in front of them. And they said, aren't you worried? I'm like, no, just, just watch. It's going to be okay. And then it turned out to be the super competitive fight. And the guy they thought was going to get, you know, just smashed ended up winning and it was just tremendous bout. And, you know, there really was this equality and you don't know, walking down the street, who can do what, who is this gifted athlete that you would have no idea. Maybe they're not going to run, You know, the fastest 40 yard dash, but they'll be able to defend themselves and they'll be able to win in a fight. And you would least expect it. I mean, we've got scientists, we've got um, grad school uh, master's recipients on our roster, and you would really have no idea that they're these incredible athletes. And I think that's like really, really fun to show, especially people who are new to our sport. Like, oh, you see that girl? She's actually a geologist, but watch her, you know, go kick some butt inside the octagon.
1: Who has been the most surprising? Either you look at them and you're like, wait, that's one of our athletes, or just on paper reading about them, who's been the most surprising? Amy, you don't have to use names, but you you can, or you can just describe them.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? I think that there's um,
1: always a surprising aspect when there's a mother,
0: um, Mm. because as a society, I think we look at mothers and we think, Oh, they're you know they're comforting and they're nurturing and you know they're these protective beings and and very feminine and soft and we've got so many mothers on our roster that go out there and they are just these fierce incredible competitors and they are propelled by their children they aren't you know held back by it it's something that's adding an extra motivation an extra layer to their skill sets. Um, So that for me is always something that I'm really in awe of. Um, We just recently had a woman who gave birth um, four months uh, before she went back to competition. She was still breastfeeding and she got in there and she, yeah, exactly. And so for me, I think those are things that always kind of blow me away that it's just like, It's rare to see it in sports in general, let alone
1: an individual sport that is a combat sport as well. So let's back up a little bit, um, because I think this brings us to a good point. As you said, it's rare to see it in sports and in a combat sport. As you're a sports reporter, I am a sports reporter, and that is becoming more and more common. There are more women also in, you know, higher up positions in organizations, but it's still rarer than men. So I would love to know when did you first know you wanted to be a sports reporter and what was the impetus for that? Oh man, late in the game. Um,
0: I did not think that this would ever be my job. I grew up loving sports, watching sports, um, playing sports, but it never even dawned on me. I don't know if that's because I wasn't necessarily exposed to it or what. It just never, it never popped up on my radar at any time. So um, towards the end of college, um, I was an intern at News Corp um, in New York City, and I was always talking to the guys on the staff about the Yankees or the Giants. And they were finally like, "Why don't you do that for a living? Why don't you Why don't you focus on sports um, if that's what you're going to talk about in your free time?" So um, they, you know, after a few weeks of them kind of trying to get me to do this little online digital program. Um, I said, okay, fine, I'll try it. And it was an hour roundtable discussion about different things happening in sports. And it was so easy and fun for me. And I was like, wait, I can, I can do this for a living? Like, why didn't I ever think about this before? And that's when I it kind of dawned on me. I mean, I was probably 21 um, and almost done with college when I decided, oh, this is this is actually something that I can find pure enjoyment in every day and you know you always hear throughout your life like make sure you you do something you love and and your job should be something you love and you feel passionate about and that's when it kind of clicked for me it was like man this has been my passion my whole life i mean i've i've sat with my dad and my brother watching sports every night of my life like why wasn't i doing this before and that's sort of when i decided to really focus in on it
1: and before that were you thinking of staying in the political or or news space
0: yeah, you know, I um I was really moved by um a lot of the things that happened around September 11th. Um I lived about an hour outside New York City and um I had, you know, my brothers in the military, he worked between the NSA building and the Pentagon. I had, you know, uh classmates whose parents and and aunts and uncles all worked in and around the World Trade Center. So, um I was in high school when that happened and I was really Touched and and moved by you know the way all the things came together for our country after, and I remember seeing all these different speeches that were really um, motivating to the country and and sort of uniting. And I thought, oh, I would love to not be the person giving it, but kind of be helping behind the scenes. And I would love to be able to be a part of um, you know making our country strong and bringing our country together. So that's really kind of what propelled me into politics. And I I kind of wanted to run. Or help run political campaigns, and um, it sounds all great until, you know, I ne- I, I really got the um, hands-on experience where there was just a lot of things that I wasn't comfortable with, and and I'm not really a confrontational person, and and unfortunately, that was the reality of it. It is a lot more gritty than I necessarily realized. Um, so there was never once once I. Once I realized sports was something I could really uh, pursue, there was nothing propelling me to go back towards politics. If anything, it was kind of like a relief, like, oh, my God, I I don't have to
1: follow through with that anymore. I actually started my career in sports as well. Uh, I worked in politics. I worked for the former mayor of D.C., and while I loved it and loved working for him, when uh, we lost re-election in 2010, I felt there was too much politics and politics for me to stay in it. Yes, um, yes. So that's what I always would say and people were like, I don't get it. And I was like, well, just think about it for a little bit and I think it'll, <laughs> yeah. I think it'll make sense. <laughs> um, that's exactly
0: it. That's like, I've never heard anyone
1: say it that way, but that's brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you, maybe I should coin it. <laughs> too much politics and politics. Yeah, so then you, you made the you know the, the transition to sports. You you're covering the UFC, you've covered the NFL and Fox, you've covered the Padres. How have you seen yeah. your career evolve and and how has each experience really helped to enrich the next one, if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, no, I think um, you know, it it all started um, I think I was really fortunate that a lot of it started digitally. Um, where there's still a platform, but things were growing. It was kind of new, but there was room to make mistakes. There was room to get a lot of reps without as much criticism as you would have on broadcast. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was, that was a huge blessing that um, I, you know, I came up in a time where you know, people were really starting these online shows or um, to put clips on YouTube or their websites or whatever it was. Um, For me, that was that was a huge evolution going from, you know, smaller digital platforms to bigger digital platforms to some digital, some broadcast, you know, and then mostly broadcast. And I think um, that evolution was a huge blessing because I could cut my teeth and make mistakes with a more forgiving platform. And I don't you know, I don't think that I even, you know think about it enough to give an, enough appreciation to what I was able to do and, and the platforms I was able to do it on because, you know, it's discouraging um, when you hear bad things about yourself or when you watch a clip of yourself and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, but to be able to do it online and just continue to get better and, and grow there, that was a huge blessing for me. And then each each role that I've had um, has really just grown from from one to the next. Um, I think it's important to learn what you're good at and what you're not good at and work at what you're not good at, but continue to embrace the things that you excel in. Um, and then, you know, just also deciding, okay, this is something I really love doing and this is something I don't ever want to do again. And I think it's important mm-hmm. to to learn both of those things. You know what I mean? Like, we always, we always want to talk about, oh, I love this and I love that. Well, it's also uh, equally as important to know you know what, this just isn't for me, I'm not, I'm not this type of person, whether it's, you know, I didn't want to do politics, or, you know, I didn't like um, a certain type of work environment, or whatever it may be, I think, I think it's really important to just learn what you're comfortable with. And also, you know, just continue to grow your skill set as best as you can.
1: Along those lines, um, what is the criticism that you received early on that wild tough to take because as you said it is hard to hear not great things about yourself to see yourself do something you're not 100 percent proud of on camera you feel like you could have been better but what is a criticism that you received early on that while very tough at the time really helped to shape your future as a reporter
0: yeah um you know it, it's funny some of the criticisms that i've gotten are things I can't change. Like a big one um, for a long time was that I look very young. And so it'd be hard to take me seriously because I don't look my age. And so that was something, well, I can't change my face. So here I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I I also, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, But I also got some criticism um, about not being like an authoritative voice in my roles, whereas I would, you know, I'd be casual and it wasn't like really as, Authoritative as somebody, as people would like. And I think that was actually really helpful because I was almost scared to act like too newsy. So I was Mm -hmm. trying to be um, a little too casual. And I think once, when people sometimes see a female reporter, unfortunately, the first things that they think aren't necessarily like, wow, she must have worked really hard and be really intelligent um, to get this position. It's probably like, of oh, what, what got her that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a responsibility to really make sure you are prepared and you, um, can immediately open your mouth and be seen as an authority. And that was something that I, I, I heard and I learned quickly that I can't control what someone is going to think of me when they see me on a platform, but I can control how they view me, Once I'm able to start speaking, and that was, uh, I think, one of the most important things that um, you know has ever dawned on me as I continue to grow in this field is just you know controlling what you can and making the most of it.
1: And I think that's really excellent advice because you're right. There are certain things as female reporters, and there are just certain things generally in life that we just can't change and can't control and. We may never get to a place where someone turns on the TV and sees a female reporter on the sideline and just immediately thinks like, wow, how great that, you know, that she's worked so hard yep. to get there. And they would with any male reporter. But yep. we, we can change the narrative, as you so eloquently said, on what they think once we start speaking. And eventually that will probably be what changes the narrative. So I think that is no, just- No, absolutely. Excellent advice. Yeah. And so you talked about being overprepared. that's something we talk about a lot on this podcast because it is so important because the other thing that happens for female reporters and it just is what it is at least right now we can't get away with things we can't mispronounce someone's name we can't get it <laughs> wrong otherwise it's the girl doesn't know what she's talking about the girl yes. said it wrong um the girl does yes. this so if you could just kind of go back a little bit on your process for getting prepared, because I think that's always really helpful for our listeners to hear.
0: Yeah, no. And i actually, even like before I go into that, like for me, I, I didn't go to college for any sort of communications or broadcast program. So I even wanted to be prepared enough for the field that I went to graduate school in order to um, be able to say like, no, I actually did study this and um, you know, I have a degree to back it up because that I felt like was already something I was facing, um, you know, when it was like, oh, it wasn't my major. I was a political science major. So then you know, it was important for me to show my preparation for being on camera. But then when it came to, you know, when it comes to how I prepare, especially for like a UFC fight or an NFL game, I mean, I don't think that you can consume too much information. Um, I am a person who, tries and keeps up with um, news and information every day. And that includes things like Twitter and Instagram from different athletes or, um, you know, the UFCs or, you know, certain players or teams. Um, I think that sometimes the best way to get to know an individual athlete is by kind of taking a look at their social media. Are they they a really family-oriented person? Are they an adventurer? uh seeker are they you know somebody who is just constantly in the gym are they sharing their workouts and I think for me that is really important when we have a fight or a game I sort of focus in on I'll I'll take UFC for example um you know we normally have 26 fighters competing in an event I will check all of their social media and try and make notes about each person so that Yes, I understand who they are as an athlete. Their wins and losses, their strengths. How many knockouts do they have? How many submissions do they have? But also, what have they been doing if their fight week is in Brazil this whole time? Um, you know, have they stayed in their room? Have they gone out? You know, to Rio de Janeiro and they're doing hikes. I, I think it's really important to take all of that sort of um, information into consideration. Um, and then, you know, I think obviously listening to podcasts and and checking all different um, sports and information websites. And for me, I'm an avid note taker. I have um, a file on every fighter, um, every team that I work with, and I continue to update it so that the information that I knew three years ago that I might've forgotten about them is still there. And then I can continue to update it and add and evolve with them and tell their story as it is in
1: real time. Fantastic. Along those lines, somewhat, what is one of the most fun stories you've ever reported on?
0: Oh, man. Um, You know, I think two really come to mind for me. Um, Ronda Rousey, just sort of the wild ride we were on with her. Mm -hmm. That was something really special. Um, She was really the first female to garner the attention from the mainstream media for her combat sports prowess. So I think being able to do things like Saturday Night Live with her, um, some of her big fights, I mean, those were really memorable experiences that I'm eternally grateful to her um, to have been able to, you know, come along and and cover. And then um, we did a world tour for one of Conor McGregor's fights when he fought Jose Aldo. And we did um, a bunch of different countries and different cities in about 12 days we did brazil the united states canada england and dublin uh ireland and um that was really that really got the attention of you know espn and fox and um people who weren't necessarily paying attention to our sport or giving our sport the same type of platform they would give the quote unquote big four um that was that was probably one of the most fun times for me because people were like wait a second What is going on here? Who are these guys? Look what they're able to do. And then listen to them talk, like when they're outside of the octagon, like this is bananas. And it really turned out to be something really special.
1: Have you had a mentor through your career that's really helped to guide you? You know, um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of um, really
0: supportive people, but I think in terms of of mentors um, at the UFC, uh, I've, I've had someone named Chris Kartsmark who is a producer and, and actually my supervisor who always, um, you know, tried his best and, and still does to, you know, give me good advice and, and um, things on and off camera. Because, as you know, sometimes it's just as important to hear things about who you are as a human being and the work you're doing um, mm-hmm. off camera as it is on camera. And then um, at Fox, I was really fortunate um, to work with. Steve Becker and Bill Richards, um, who I still am very close with, who were kind of the first people who made me feel like I belonged and that what I was doing was important and only I could do it. If that makes sense, um, mm-hmm. they they embraced the fact that I was a woman and I was, um, you know, in this field that is, you know, really dominated by men, and they embraced you know, having me do these different sit downs with different athletes and what I was able to do with that. And I'm still eternally grateful to them and, and, and communicate with them all the time. In fact, I'll, I'll probably see them this weekend. They're in town for a, a boxing match, but I'm really fortunate that I came across, um, different men in the field who wanted to see me succeed, not necessarily just because I was a woman, but because I was talented and that, you know really spoke volumes to me and, and gave me um, a confidence that I probably didn't have before.
1: Well, when you were just talking, you said a name who of someone who was also a major mentor to me, and that's Bill Richards. I worked for yes. Bill out of college, uh, doing all kinds of things, um, working on highlights for baseball and NASCAR and football and everything. and. Bill has been such a mentor to me and he always was such a mentor to me. In fact, kind of a funny story, years ago, I was in a play and Bill came and a, a few other people from Fox, but after the play, we go out to meet everybody. I saw him and I went, oh, Bill Richards, you came. And like everyone <laughs> turns to be like, who is this Bill Richards? <laughs> like, is he like the major? <laughs> he just, like, when I was acting, but we always laughed about it. I ball, love that. People must have been like, who's Bill Richards? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess so that really them. <laughs> warmed my heart. So I'm really excited, just really excited about that. And and it doesn't surprise me because Bill's wonderful. So
0: Yeah, he, he really is. You know, he kind of like, at first when you meet him, you're not quite sure how to read the situation. You're like, does he hate mm-hmm. me? You know, what's going on? Cause he's kind of a man of few words in the beginning, but then, yes. you know, I think, I think he's just a fan of hard workers. And um, obviously you're doing that right. Um, and, and no, he's, he's really, he's really great. I'm really fortunate to have cross paths with him and, and uh, everything
1: at Fox. Well, there was, there was our Bill Richards love fest on that I love one. it. <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. Um, We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's untuck it. The original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untuck it shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck it style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U N T U C K I T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. All right, Megan, now that we're back, uh, I have a question for you, because we were just talking about mentors and one that, of course, we both adore. But you are probably a mentor, whether you're aware of it or not, for a number of young women coming into the sports industry. So I have two questions with that in mind. The first being, what is the number one mistake you're seeing for women when, or you see women make when they're trying to break into the sports industry? That's a really
0: good question. For me, I think it's trying to put themselves into a box where they don't fit, and I'm guilty of it, and I mean that in many different ways. Um, I mean that in terms of trying to look a certain way that they don't feel comfortable with, Um, doing content that doesn't make them comfortable. Um, Obviously, there are things when you are especially starting out where you're like, okay, this isn't my dream job, but I see... I see it where women will put themselves in positions that they're not okay with, and they pretend they are just to appease somebody else. Um, I, it's, it sounds very superficial, but I actually, um, for a long time had hair extensions for years and I hated them and they didn't, they weren't me and I didn't feel like myself. And I, as soon as I was off camera, I would take them out and I was, it was just, but I was told by somebody like, Oh, you need to have them to be on camera. Like, this is what our viewers want to see. And, um, I wasn't being true to myself and it would like, it would bother me to the point where I I would be thinking about that more than whatever I was talking about on camera. Um, and I was just doing it for somebody else. And, um, you know, I, I, I see it unfortunately in terms of that. And I, I just spoke to a young girl, um, actually, just a couple of days ago about she was asked to do something um, she really didn't feel okay with, like, both, you know, morally, um, and in terms of of the content itself. And she's like, "I, I just don't feel okay with it. And it's okay to say no, like, you don't have to say yes to every single suggestion from every single person about every single thing. And I think, unfortunately, the opportunities are limited, and they are um, so so fought over that we feel like if we say no, that's the end of it all for us. But I think when you're truly not okay with something, saying no is all right, and you'll be respected for it. You're not going to be, oh, God, she said no because she didn't feel like it was like she wasn't comfortable with this whatever. No, it's, it's okay. A man would do it in a second.
1: Mm-hmm. That is correct, that is correct. And I think I think because there are fewer opportunities for women, sometimes we feel like we have to say yes to everything, but, yes. but we do not, and there is a strength in saying no. Yep. And a, and a respect in that. So I guess along those lines though, you may have just given that advice, but I was going to ask what is one piece of advice that you would give our listeners for starting a career in sports?
0: Oh man, um,
1: gosh, so much, but like
0: just just work really hard. If it's something you want to do, just really work at it. Um, it doesn't mean don't have a don't have a life outside of work, but you know, go above and beyond because, unfortunately, like we just said, um, you know, we are judged a little bit harsher. We um, have less opportunities. So, if you really want it, really work for it, and there is such a satisfaction in knowing you earned every single opportunity you have nothing was handed to you you didn't get it because oh i know this person or i look a certain way it was no she's the right person for this role and that satisfaction and that reputation and that really foundation of a career um is like impenetrable like you cannot break that down because if you work so hard for it People will understand that and know that and that is how you will grow your career and to me, that's the most important thing you can do.
1: How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in sports and where do you think we can still improve? Oh, man, I,
0: I think in just a few years, we've really um, added a lot of valuable positions for women in sports coverage. Um, We see it on you know, uh, having women call football games, having women in the booth for Sunday night uh, baseball, um, having somebody like me on the UFC broadcast throughout the night. Um, I think that we are really adding value to sports broadcasts in general by having women there. Um, in all different roles, hosting, commentary, analysts, uh, sideline supporters, whatever it may be, I think we are really getting to a point where um, it's not just oh we we need to add a woman to the staff or have a female on the sideline. It's like no, they're the best suited for this job and they're going to add to the entire team here. Um, so I think in just a few years the the landscape has beautifully grown um, to be able to embrace and add women um, all all in all different areas. Um, I do think that there's still a place for a lot more growth, uh, a lot more representation of the female voice. We see how uh, female sports fans are really um, adding to the ratings of all different programs of all Mm -hmm. different sports. Um, And I think that that's something that can't be ignored. And um, I think as the years go by, we're going to put women in roles where it won't be a big deal anymore. You know, it won't be a big deal to have a woman calling a basketball game or a football game or a fight. Um, and I think that is in the near future to be the norm. It's it's someplace we still need to get to. Um, but I have a lot of hope for it. And I think that the steps that we, we have been taking um, as an industry have been really, really positive. And hopefully we can um, continue to go in the right direction and have that female voice really represented because we're watching sports. So we want to relate to somebody on the call or on the broadcast because Mm -hmm. we are adding to the ratings, you know what I mean? And so it's like, you can't ignore the fact that women, yeah, they love sports and they want to be represented as well.
1: I could not agree more. Literally could (laughs) not agree more. I have a tendency to say a hundred percent and I do when I say it, I mean it, but I really mean it this time. 100%. Um, yes so before we move to five fun facts can you this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast when I ask people this because I just think it's so interesting and I, I believe our listeners really like it as well can you take us uh, on a day in the life of Megan O'Levy? oh man okay should I do it like a day we have a fight yeah do it do a day you have a fight okay. and then maybe also after okay. that give us like a little tweak on if it was an NFL day
0: Sure. Um, so on a day we have a fight, um, if we'll just say it's in Las Vegas to be easy, um, I'll wake up, have coffee and work out. Um, normally, if I'm if I'm at home, like in town, I will go to um, a studio called True Fusion and do like a boot camp or a yoga class. And it kind of starts my day off right. If I'm on the road, I will go on the treadmill and try and figure out how to get through a three mile run <laughs> without getting too bored. <laughs> but i i always try and start my my work day off um with some sort of exercise because i just feel like it gets my mind right um and then i'll go back um work on the computer and just kind of tweak my reports make sure that i have the most up-to-date information as possible on everyone i'll um like i said Uh, earlier how I look at everyone's social media. I will go over that one more time, add anything to my notes that I feel like is relevant or important for our viewers to know. And then um, I head to the venue quite early, actually, because uh, my role during UFC broadcast um, involves a lot of different reports and um, storytelling, I'll call it, um, from around the venue. And we have to rehearse those shots with Um, our different camera guys and our different setups to make sure that, you know, we're in the best position um, for viewers. So we'll run through those um, well before doors open, probably uh, around 2 or 3 p.m. And then I'll go into hair and makeup, get dressed. And then I cover every single fight from um, the beginning of the card, the very first fight of the night, all the way through the main event. I will have different responsibilities of um, reports that have to be perfectly timed to 26 seconds. Um, I will add to the commentary booth for certain fighters. I then host the desk for ESPN for two hours um, during the prelims. Yeah, and then I'll go back to my reports and um, commentary role. And then I also, during that time, finding somehow a way to interview the majority of the winners from our card um, for both the broadcast and for UFC Digital. So by the end of the night, I am so hungry and ready to take off my heels. Um, But it's usually about like a 14-hour day um, at the venue. And then um, I head home and and I always like to call it my after parties, but then I get in and out or tacos or something like that to really Start the, start the sleep process off right with a full stomach. Um, so yeah, my, my fight days are extremely, extremely busy with um, a lot of different roles that I do my best to balance. Um, and like I said, be over prepared for just in case, because you never know what they're going to throw at you.
1: And how hard is it to keep each of those reports at 26 seconds?
0: Oh man, it's, you know what, it, now it's a lot easier, but when we first started it, it was, um, you know, you, you wanna give like as much information as possible and you're like, oh, this is important, this is important. But for me, what I've, I've really decided is to be a storyteller about the human being and um, let our comment, commentary team really talk about who they are as fighters and why they're successful inside the octagon. So I try and focus on, um, in those 26 seconds, giving the viewers a reason to care. And if somebody has never seen our sport before or never seen this particular athlete, why should they be interested? And why should they care about the outcome of this? So I, I do these long interviews during the week with each athlete, and then I find the most important information. And then I really just whittle it down. Um, I obviously time it myself on my phone. And then during rehearsal, I make sure that I'm Saying it exactly how I need to say it on the broadcast, and then once we go live, it's just making sure I have that mem- that memorized and down pat, and we can't really go over that time because then it bleeds into all these different things. So um, it's something that I, I work to really perfect each week.
1: That's awesome. That's really awesome, and I like that perspective. Okay. Your, well, you're very welcome. But I like the perspective of what what is it that will make people care. I think that's a, that's a way to put that. Yeah.
0: I mean, especially like if people already sometimes come into seeing our fights with a negative view on it. So Mm -hmm. if I can get them to understand that these are incredible, wonderful human beings who just happen to be great combat athletes, um, and they take care of their families, or, you know, they're going to go to church with their grandma that they haven't seen in three years, or they have, they just met their half brother, or they just finished their master's program, like. Those are things that I think can get a a casual fan to start looking at our sport and our athletes in a more positive light.
1: So on a football game day, on an NFL and Fox day, how is that tweaked? I assume it's not 14 hours at the the venue, No, that's probably a big positive right there. I don't even think (laughs) 14 hours. I cover the Niners, and I think even from the time I get to the stadium and I get there pretty early to the time I leave, I think I'm like at ten or eleven hours, so I don't think even I'm fourteen hours with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um. Oh man, so football is great. It is a much shorter day. Um, we get we leave in the morning, uh, myself and whoever is um, on the commentary team that I'm working with, and then we get to the arena and or the venue, and um, I really just focus on who's on the field, who is um, maybe in a different role, What what is the kicker doing, um, you know, can I get some comments from coaches about, you know, how the day before went, because obviously we do media with them on Friday and Saturday. But, you know, if there's anything that looks like it's changed, uh, we have a little meeting in the production truck to make sure that we are um, all on the same page and, you know, we've got the most up-to-date information. And then for me, it's really just about – Kind of um being like a detective and making sure that I see what's going on in the field i and I am really paying attention to both sidelines and how they are getting ready for this game. Um, sometimes my report will change right before the kickoff and sometimes I could prepare it the night before and be totally fine um, so you know once we once we have kickoff then um, during the game, as you know it's it's mostly about just paying attention to. Obviously, what's happening on the field, but really, what's happening on the sidelines? Um, how are the players interacting? What are the injuries like? How are the you know what are the coaches saying? Are there things that um, you know somebody's going to yell to me before they go into the tunnel for halftime, and um, you know, and making sure our viewers are aware of what's going on with with both teams, which can be a really interesting balancing act. And it was something that um, I kind of had to learn uh, after my first couple of games last year. I was like, whoa, this is this is a lot of literal ground to cover <laughs> mm-hmm, and, <it> is. <laughs> um, and and yeah people don't realize it it's like no you have to kind of have eyes everywhere and it, at times you feel like oh did i just miss something but you know you just do the best that you can to to make sure you're paying attention to every aspect of <laughs> both teams um and yeah and then we do the, our post-game interviews and then that's it's over once i i do those one or two interviews on the field that game is wrapped up, um, and then we all head to the airport. So so NFL days are much shorter, but they are very, very intense.
1: So now we have to head to the part of the podcast, which I love. Um, anybody who follows me, I say this every single episode, knows how I love fun facts and five fun facts. Kind of my thing, <laughs> so we have brought it to the podcast. Uh, and so every week we ask everybody the same five questions, which has been really fun so many different answers. I don't think anybody has had the same ones. So I, if you are ready, I'm going to run them down and then you will be wrapped. Forget my job. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. All right. So here we go. The first one is what is your favorite moment in sports?
0: Oh, I think when the Yankees won the world series in 2009, I got to go to a couple of the games and my friends and I just went bananas. Our school gave us the day off for the world series parade. It was Oh, Everything okay. was amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! What is your life
0: motto? Take it till you make it. <laughs> You're like not it. feeling it one day. If you don't feel confident, you just go for it and hold your head up high and pretend, and eventually you will get there.
1: <laughs> what is your go-to workout? I know you kind of touched on it earlier, but what's the go-to when you can pick anything?
0: Ooh, uh, a 45-minute Peloton ride with Robin. That's really my special favorite thing to do. Okay. Fair
1: enough. What is your go-to coffee or tea order? I have found on the podcast that everybody drinks coffee. Oh, well, coffee is life.
0: Um, right. My husband I, makes I, coffee I feel the game. same way. Coffee. Is <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> um, so I feel I, I'm very blessed that my husband makes amazing coffee every single morning for me. He makes um, oat milk, cappuccinos. So mm. if I'm out and he's not around or I'm not at home, that's, that's my go-to order, oat milk cappuccino.
1: Delicious. I love oat milk. Yes. And what is a book you think every woman should read?
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, I love Mindy Kalig's books, um, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? I think that was her first one.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: she she's so successful. And we look at her and we think, oh, my God, she does everything. She's a writer, producer, and actress. But I think it's really grounding and she's got some great advice and she delivers it in a really funny, funny manner. But at the core of it, I think it's really important for women, especially women who who have a certain drive in their field to be successful. I think it's, it's a really important read that is kind of covered in a very fun, funny way.
1: All right. Fantastic. Well, Megan, this has been really fun. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor, and um, I'm so excited that we got to do this.
1: Me too. And to our listeners, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and to follow us at Fangirl Sports Network, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody.